0: This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Oh, hello. Off and running on a Saturday edition of the Gordon Damer Show. Oh, my goodness, people. Can you feel it? Can you feel I know you can feel it. You know what I'm talking about. The NFL is back. Back with a bang on Thursday night. Just a matter of hours now before the jet season kicks off before the giant season kicks off and um look the excitement is real the excitement is warranted and let's be honest the excitement might be uh short-lived <laughs> because we have seen in the past how uh things can go sideways quickly so if there is ever going to be a time to be excited this is the time for it so obviously we have so much to do on this Saturday edition. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. I'm on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. But most importantly, on uh, the radio, right here, with you, for the next four big hours. And look, you and me together, and I'm going to be honest, I would love to fill up the next four hours with just football. talk. So that's how excited I am. To, to, to think that tomorrow, at this moment in time, not even 24 hours, like 20, what, 22 hours from now, I'll turn on the old Direct TV, I'll turn on the old Sunday ticket, and you'll get that page that has the eight games. Oh, you glorious, sweet vision of of dreams. You're back. You're back. So I am certainly looking forward to it. So I would love to spend the next four hours talking to you about the Giants talking to you about the Jets. I'd love to talk to you about the, the Bucks' performance on Thursday night. Tom Brady doing it again. I'd love to talk to you about the Cowboys and the performance of their offense and, of course, some of the questionable decisions down the stretch of that one. All the different issues about the NFL, the Bills. Is this the year they go back to the Super- Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? And- but I have decided that today's show will be dedicated to simply a rundown of all the mistakes that the Yankees have made since the 13-game winning streak ended, and as it works out, that will take up the next four hours. No, I mean I'm just I'm mostly kidding. I'm mostly kidding. There will be a large section of the show that will be football related. We're going to talk with Connor Rogers. Uh, I think we're going to talk to him at uh, what, Jacob. When what are we talking to him? 3:30. I think we're going to talk to Connor at 3:30. So uh, we'll get some football thoughts with him on the verge of. Thursday night's great, and that's the season opener. But if your team is not involved in that game, it's almost like the play-in games for the NCAA tournament. Like they matter, but and you watch them, but the real opening of the tournament is the first full day of action, right? That's the that's when the NCAA tournament really begins. And when the NFL season has the first Sunday at one o'clock, that's when the NFL season really begins unless you're a Cowboys fan unless you're a Buccaneers fan but if you're a Jets fan a Giants fan Sunday one o'clock and of course we'll have the Jet game right here Jets and Panthers our coverage gets underway 11 o'clock tomorrow so we will focus on the football a lot we will have our final preseason poop rankings very popular segment on the Gordon Damer show all the other shows they all do power rankings And I like to approach things. What everybody else does, I want to do the opposite. So if everybody else has power rankings, I want the polar opposite of power rankings. And those are the poop rankings. So while everybody's debating who's the best, we on this show debate who's the worst. So we'll save that for a little bit later in the show. We'll touch on the football, the Jets, the Giants, all that stuff. But I got to open it up, people, with the New York Yankees. Because, oh dear God, have they been bad. They have been about as bad as you could possibly be. Whatever bad is, they have been worse. Whatever worse is, they have, been, they have been worse than worse. They say that sometimes your life's best lessons are learned at your worst times. Well, if that's true, the Yankees must be Confucius. I mean, they must be Einstein. Because right now, it's about as bad as it's ever been, at, certainly at this point this year. And in a very long time. You know, the last sat. I think the last weekend show I hosted was two weeks ago today. And that was the day that the 13-game winning streak came to an end. It's been two weeks. It feels like two years. And uh, last night, you'd have to say, was rock bottom. Dear God, if it's not, you would need, uh, I-, I don't know what, Stephen King, to come up with, John Carpenter, to come up with some story of how it could be any worse than last night. And I think last night, I know that there was a point in this year where we would debate, like, what is the Yankees' worst loss of the season? And most of their worst losses, and they've got plenty, have been the late-inning meltdowns, right? They had a lead, blew a lead, Chapman, the bullpen, the Angels game, the Astros game right before the break, the Field of Dreams game, the Reds. I mean, we, we could run them down for the next four hours. This one, it might not have been their worst loss of the season, but it clearly was their worst performance of the season. I don't even think that that's debatable. And... I would say that it can't get any worse than that, mainly because like, the only way it could get worse is if they continue to play like that. Even when they've been losing, I don't think that the issues in the individual games have been as multifaceted as they were last night. The pitching was terrible. They gave up 10 runs to a team that can't score. The Yankees gave away runs. The defense was not bad. It was amateurish. I mean, it was like something that you would see in like little league games. And of course, the offense was non existent. And look, it started right basically from the jump. They get the, the lead in the first inning. And then, bottom of the first, you get that, that play by Gary Sanchez, who, again, let's not get lost in like, oh, well, you know what? Gary's a bad catcher. And he is, the reason that play happened was because he assumed that Polar was going to give up. Is it Pilar or v- VR? V- VR. Whatever. PR, <laughs> PR, VR, whoever. He assumed that VR was going, that's why that play happened. He assumed the runner was not going to try. And think about what that says about your effort. You assume that the other guy was going to quit on the play. And of course, the brutal night for Gary Sanchez, and look, there were a lot of culprits last night. I think that, number one, in terms of just watching it, uh, it was the most brutal night for Gary Sanchez, and it, and it did not end there. The wild pitch in the third, the Urshela play where Sanchez, you know, just let the ball go whoop right by him. I hope Tom Imanski was not watching that, because if he was, I think he might have thrown up. And you could turn the game off right there, and I wish I had turned the game off right there. Because last night was everything at once. And that kind of feels like what this te- this, that's where this team is at. Like throughout the season, there have been issues, individual issues, the bullpen, the offense, the defense, the base running, the starting pitch. They've all kind of popped up at individual times. It feels like with 20 games to go in the season, now all of these issues are coming home to roost all at the same time. The starting pitching, which really kind of held it together for a while, that was terrible last night. Jordan Montgomery, who has been really good, I think up until last night, over his last seven or eight starts, he had only allowed more than one earned run in like one start. And last night, obviously, that was not the case. The defense was as bad as it's been. The manager didn't help, the team is imploding, and the season is melting away. And and again, it's a lot of the same, no sense of urgency, right? No attack, just seemed flat from almost the start of the game. So it's now, what, seven straight losses, 11 of 13? And I hear, you know, look, anything that you bring up is an issue, and and certainly want to hear from you, 1-800-919-ESPN. With the way they're performing right now, you could throw a dart at a board and come up with one of the issues. I mean, basically everything is an issue. But the biggest issue, continues to be the same one throughout the season it is still and this won't get brought up as much because last night was so ugly in so many variety of ways it's the offense it's still the offense we're 20 games to go in the season and it's still the offense when the Yankees had that 13 game winning streak people will point out well you know they were stealing bases they were bunting it The defense didn't look as bad. The base running was better. Well, yes, but it was mostly the offense. They hit home runs. They scored runs. They had extra base hits, and that has all gone away. So people will tell you, you know, the Yankees are streaky, so maybe there's just going to be another streak here. I don't know that they're streaky. I think they're more schizophrenic. I mean, this is not just like a hot streak, a cold streak. This is as hot as you can be with 13 in a row and following it up with about as bad a, a, a stretch of baseball that you could watch of this Yankees team in a very long time. So uh, at this point, and we take the temperature all the time, and before the the winning streak came along, I didn't think that this team was going to have it in them, and then they responded. But now they have responded this way, and it's almost like if you've ever had small kids and you read your, your kids' a story at night, there's a popular type of story in kids' stories, and it's called a circle story. And what a circle story is is there's a main character, And, you know, he starts off in one place, and throughout the the story, he goes through a a series of of events, and at the end of the story, he's right back at the beginning of where he was when the story started. And that kind of feels like what the the Yankees are kind of like a circle story. They started out as this inconsistent team that never seemed like they were going to get it together, and then they had a couple of stretches this year that they did put it together, mainly the 13-game winning streak that kind of made you feel like this team had kind of reset and, and and was at a point that you thought they were going to be coming into the season. And really, at no point during the season did they play like that. But OK, fine, with about you know 30 games to go, maybe this is a resetting of where this team is at. And what you've seen now is that really it's the outlier and the, the bulk of the season. It's not really been that they've been hot and cold as much as then they've just not lived up to what the expectation has been. And they are right back to where they were before. But, you know, it's funny because if you ask me right now, do I think the Yankees will make the playoffs? I would, I mean, how could, you'd have to just be the most blind optimist in the world, really kind of just basing it on blind faith at this point to say yes. So if you ask me, do I think the Yankees will make the playoffs? I would say no. But it's funny, and I will take your calls, 1-800-919-ESPN. If you ask me, do I want the Yankees to make the playoffs? Well, that's a different question, and I think a lot of Yankee fans, at least the ones that I talk to and you see on Twitter, I think that they're getting that question absolutely wrong.
2: I know it was just one run early on, but with that play of the plate that kind of set the tone a little bit with Gary, yeah. what did you see with that? Did he just get deeped on it, or he just kind of
3: sidestepped it? or?
1: I mean, obviously he's going to be out easy. It's a great throw by Joey, and I think he felt like he was just going to because he was so out that he'd pull up well you know he he got out of his you know crouch and athletic position in that spot where you've got a guy dead to rights you got to just lower your body maybe initiate the contact but remain athletic in your legs you know it's a little bit akin to field fielding the ground ball you know I I, I have to give Aaron Boone credit for one thing and maybe this is just his personality. Um, but how he has not snapped at this point, I, I don't know. Like there's moments where like, if you're dealing with you know, I'm like my children or something like that, you realize even though you're frustrated, you got to keep it together. You can't yell and scream because that will be counterproductive. But at some point, I mean, if you, if you were sitting there and watching that, I don't think that there's a single Yankee fan, even the most mild mannered, reasonable person in the world could sit there and watch that, and not be like, gee, my, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the fact that Aaron Boone has the composure to not do that in public at any point, and just rip his hair out when he's got as much riding on it as anyone, um, I guess in some strange way, I guess you, you got to give him credit for that, because I know I wouldn't be able to do that. Even if you told me, Gordon, your job is, is, is it's, it's fundamental to your job that you must be the voice of optimism, right? You have to keep your cool. We don't, it is dependent upon your employment that you can't get upset, you can't um, take people to task, can't criticize. You have to remain that optimistic guiding light that keeps everybody looking on the bright side, even when the times are, are darkest, you could lay that all out. I could I would agree. Yes, no problem. I'll do whatever you want. Whatever you ask me to do to be the Yankee manager, I will do those things. And even with that, even knowing that I think I think I would have to snap. I don't think that I would be able to fake it. And I'm not saying that Aaron, but maybe this is just who he is, maybe he's a, you know, great throw by Joey. I mean, maybe that's just who he is. But I feel like if 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 I ha- if I was sit forced to sit there, and watch that as the manager. Such a fundamental play at the beginning of the game. I, it's not good at any point, but, you know, like the game just started, right? Like, and you're forced to sit there. And then somebody asks you about questions about it later. And, and you don't go, oh, my God, did you guys see that? I saw, oh, my God, what the hell is he thinking there? How he's not, how he does not just flip out at some point. It's impressive. It's, imp- it's not really what I want. But it is impressive. Give them credit for that. One 919 ESPN is the uh, telephone number. One 800 So seven six. So we've we've opened with the Yankees, and, and I'll, I'll take your calls here in uh, in just a minute. But you know, when you look at the Yankees, to me, they just seem like a game, a team that's out of gas. Like all the different things, the injuries, the the, the pitch, all these things have kind of just come home to roost now with twenty games to go in the season, and. um so if you ask me, as I said in the last one, uh, the last segment, do I think they'll make the playoffs? Uh, I would say no. But it's funny. I keep hearing, and maybe it's just the bitterness of the moment. And you're just ticked off and, right, like like everybody is. You see a lot of people, a lot of Yankee fans saying, well, I don't even want to make the playoffs. Well, I don't understand the reasoning for that. Like, I get it. They're terrible. And there's a very good chance that if this team, you know, gets into a wild card game, they would be in and out and they would be over. It would be like hitchhiking on the highway and nobody even slowing down. It would be over. I mean, it would just be that over that fast. But do I still want the Yankees to make the play? Yes, of course. Because here's the thing. I don't know what you guys think is going to happen. Like, what's the benefit of not making the playoffs? I think that fans would be like, well, then that would force them to make changes. Do you get the sense that they're going to make changes? Like, I'm sure there's going to be changes. I would think that there's going to be some changes in terms of the roster. But do you th- do you think, honestly, that Brian Cashman or or Aaron Boone, or you know in terms of reliance on some of the things that they rely on in terms of thinking and process and analytics and all this type of thing, do you think that there'll be major changes if they if they don't make the playoffs? I don't get that sense. I don't get that sense at all. Now there will be some changes, right? Like I would have to think that this after this season, Gleyber Torres cannot possibly be the shortstop moving forward. And whether or not he's even on the team, I think that's a major question. Because keep in mind, Gleyber Torres' defense, as bad as it is at shortstop, that's not his biggest issue. His biggest issue is he can't hit anymore. That's the biggest issue. So I'm all for making major changes, but I don't get the sense that that's going to happen in the front office or with the manager. That's for sure, no matter how the season ends. look, Maybe if they ended on a 20-game losing streak, maybe. I don't know. But I don't get that sense that any major changes are happening there. I think that they're going to try and and tweak the players. I don't even get the feeling, based on payroll, that they're going to be making major changes. Because again, I brought this up at at the trade deadline, why I didn't think they were going to make any big additions, and they did. Um, Like, you have to figure out of whether or not the reduction in payroll this year to get under the luxury tax was just a one-time thing or whether or not this is the new normal now. And if that's the case, if, they, if they're going to be a team that's like, hey, we're not going to spend 250000000 million, we're going to stay under the luxury tax, uh, there's not that much wiggle room for them to do a whole lot. I mean, they got a lot of pieces there that are making money. The ones that are making the big money are completely unmovable. And then they got a lot of guys who are making four or five million dollars. Where I don't know that they're going to be able to uh, find replacements all that much. Look, at shortstop, you have to figure out something. You got to figure out something. I think in terms of the rotation, that has to be better. But I don't know that there's going to be this like, okay, they missed the playoffs, and now the Yankees are going to go out and spend big time money. A lot of questions to be answered before that, including what the CBA is going to. You know, is there going to be a work stoppage before next year? So there's a lot of things to answer before that. But. I don't see what the benefit to Yankee fans is of, hey, I don't even want this team to make the playoffs. That doesn't make any sense to me. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Let's go to Anthony is in Brooklyn. Anthony, first up, ESPN New York.
4: Hey, how you doing, Gordon? How, how hey, you feeling
1: today, man? I'm good. What's going All on? All
4: right, Gordon, my, my, um, my, my main concern with the Yankees is not, it's not the Bats. The Bats going to get shut down. That's every team, but it's the pitching. The pitch has been so inconsistent. It almost reminds me of the early 80s with Doyle Alexander and those guys. These guys are garbage. After after Cole, that's it, man. It's downhill. So I just wanted your opinion on that, man. I'm going to sit back and listen and enjoy your day, man.
1: All right, Anthony. Well, look, I, I actually think that the pitching on the whole has been better than I expected it to be this year. Uh, now, look, that's an issue now as well because you've lost your two best arms on the team. It, it looks like Cole will be uh, okay, but. Losing Loaiza certainly doesn't help. Uh, I think that the Yankees have to f- now look. The, the starting pitching was okay for the most part this year. It was kind of the strength of the team uh, for for good stretches. It, it certainly outperformed my expectations. But the Yankees, on the way they draw it up, they rely so heavily on the bullpen that you are going to have issues down the stretch. And the bullpen this year has not been a strength. You know, Chapman has had his issues. Green kind of seems like he might be toasty toast. Um, there's a lot of guys in that, but, you know, obviously everything with Britain, Uh, a lot of guys in that bullpen this year, they've each and every one of them have had their issues at times. And, and that's not even to account for like the other night where you're in a two, two game to show you how unreliable the bullpen has been. Aaron Boone is going to a guy that the Yankees picked up, uh, from the, the minor leagues of the Milwaukee Brewers. I mean, in a two, two game. And then when it was, what was it? Three, two, He's going to Andrew Haney. Like, the season is on the line. And these are the guys you're relying on? Very, very odd. So I actually think the pitching hasn't been that bad. The bats, to me, they have to figure out, uh, you know, basically up and down the lineup. Outside of Judge, who's been really, really good, and Stanton has had his moments and and certainly is, is very streaky, but overall has been, you know, what you'd kind of expect. Outside of that, man, they have a lot of things to work on. And, and why the, the offense has been this bad, this consistently, really all season. Uh, th- there's parts of it that make sense. And then there's part, like, how Glaber Torres went from the guy he was to the guy he is now makes no sense to me. Absolutely no sense. How DJ LeMahieu went from leading baseball in OPS last year. First two years with the Yankees, he was everything you could have asked for, and he has not been that same player this year. So very, very difficult to, uh, to answer those questions. Jason is in Brooklyn also. Jason, you're next up on ESPN New York.
5: Hey, great show. I really love listening to this, this kind of stuff. I am. Here's the thing with Aaron Boone. It, he's a puppet of Cashman, even right down to his emotions. He, he, he's not going to get angry at the players. He also obviously you know, has medical, medical conditions. He has to kind of take it easy, which is definitely a good idea on his part. So I, I totally don't want to see him get all uh, out of shape. Um, but the whole reason why Boone was put in there was obviously because he had to get rid of Girardi because Girardi couldn't handle Sanchez. And Boone can because of what happened with his dad and being uh, t- replaced by Tim McCarver because of Steve Carlton. So it all kind of goes back. And, just wrong, and the Yankees will make the wild card because it is in their vested financial interest to make that wild card. And all they want to do is make money. It has nothing to do with any World Series. And they're a team that's real easy to root against. I gotta say, and I love all New York teams. I'm not like I'm not like Yankees or Mets or you know what. I, I like them all. I like, I like them all. I have to root for them. But when they when they're disappointing and they're hard to watch, it's difficult. And so, um, yeah, they're, they're making it really difficult on, on me. Uh, it's good to see Judge coming through and and, and all that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's all kind of a, a puppet, puppetry theater with Boone uh, having strings yeah. pulled by Cashman.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, Jason, and and thanks for the phone call. You know, the last time that Cashman came out, I think he came out a couple of times in the course of the year and and, and said that, uh, you know, this is not on the managers, it's on the players. Well, at least that's fair. I mean, because th- th- those two guys are, are kind of tied at the hip. It would be kind of hard for Brian Cashman to put the blame on Aaron Boone, uh, considering that's his hand-picked guy. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think that there's going to be any ma- – I, I certainly don't think Cashman's going anywhere – I guess if the season ended in just outright disaster, you know, maybe they would think about maybe making a change at manager. Although it doesn't seem like that's a, a real possibility. So, uh, but yeah, no, I mean that's always been the the, the way. And again, uh, Sanchez has obviously been better offensively this year than he has been the last few years. But that's only because the last few years, he, I mean, last year for sure he was just a disaster. Uh, and when Boone got here I know I brought this up before you kind of thought hey part of his job is going to be to unlock the potential of Gary Sanchez and that clearly uh, has not been the case that clearly has not been the case so he's had one you know 2019 he had a a, a pretty good season um, all things considered he's never going to be Johnny Bench behind the plate but uh, and this year he's been a better offensive player than he has been at other times but you know, last night all the all the glaring holes were there for sure. Spike, formerly of Jersey, Spike, you're next up on ESPN New York.
4: Hey, good afternoon, my friend. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, mention anything about nine eleven. It's uh, it's really, and we have outlets like Sports Talk and Games to Watch, but. You know, it's a heavy hot day, and I'm sure you feel the same way. I uh, I was very fortunate that day. I had a meeting three blocks from the World Trade Center for 9 a.m. in the morning. And uh, late in the afternoon, the day before, I says, could you move it up to noon? (laughs) And uh, I've lived with that for a long time. (laughs) I really have lived with that. Um, My uh, luck uh, just turned around from that point. But I feel terrible about everything that happened and and, uh, a new generation of uh, youngsters are going to witness it now so let me move back into the candy store okay so we go to the Yankees and uh it's tough to watch man I told you when the other night when I called you with Larry I said I gotta leave the room when Chapman gets into the game so so my scenario just trying to lighten the tenor of the call would be uh yeah, let's get to a game seven of the series that matters and have Sanchez uh, catching and uh, and uh, Chapman pitching. And let's take our shot that there's not a wild pitch or a pass ball, or a, a balk or something. It's tough to watch. It hit its peak last night, Gordon. It really did. I've watched that play five times. And, you know, that's why you need replay. Howie just didn't, you know, boy, what was his name? Ray Fossey and Pete Rose. Remember that right. collision?
1: Yeah, of course.
4: Yeah, All-star game. I mean, or, that's a case study of what to do. Well, the rules are different now. And last night, what was he, going for a butterfly? I, I it Really, that changed the whole game. They're done. They're done. This team, uh, the pitching was good, like you said, initially. Uh, and uh judge so has been fine. Stanton's had his moments. You know, if you're going to bank on Sanchez running into a ball, he can hit uh, 25 times a year, which may be the number, I don't know, around there. Uh, you got to accept everything else. So I'm really disappointed, and you said to me, uh, thanks for the time and uh, make the best of today. You said to me when I said, well, it's football season, and you said, thank God, because yeah. it's been rough to watch, my friends. Stay safe
1: yeah absolutely it has been and uh at least the one good thing spike is that uh you say it's tough to watch chapman in these games uh at least last night you didn't have to i mean if you if you were sticking through that one to to the time where chapman would come in whoof i mean god bless you that's like riding a bull man I, I, I hey i wanted to change the channel after that one inning so badly and i stuck with it for a little while but then even i had to give up uh i mean it's been that bad no no question about it
0: Um, you know, I, I wouldn't go out there if I didn't feel confident that I could protect myself and you know be helpful for the, be helpful for the team. So you know that's gonna come within the conversations that uh, obviously Coach Judge and Doc and Lee and Barnes have, um, and you know that that'll kind of be the I guess the, the indicator with how I feel and um, how this week went, whether I, I guess I played this week or not.
1: All right, so that, of course, Saquon Barkley of the Giants getting ready for week one. Looks like uh, he will play. It's just a question of of how much and a lot of questions, a lot of issues surrounding the NFL on the eve. I know the season's begun, but it's almost, as I said in the open, it's almost like the NCAA tournament doesn't begin until that first full day. The NFL season doesn't begin until we get to tomorrow, that Sunday at one o'clock. And uh, always good to talk to our next guest, Connor Rogers. He writes for Bleacher Report and is nice enough to give us uh, a a few minutes on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Connor, thanks for popping on with us. Yeah, Gordon, thanks for having me. How are you, man? I'm good. All right. Well, let's get to it. I guess we'll start with the Jets a little bit because uh, this is the first year in at least two that you can have, as I think as a Jet fan, uh, realistic hope and realistic optimism uh, after the last couple of years. Give me, I've heard so many people talk about what are the expectations for Zach Wilson. In your mind, what is a realistic expectation for a rookie quarterback playing with this team?
2: Well, I think when you look at it, right, this is an ascending offensive line. I think he's got some good weapons around him. We're going to let the backfield kind of figure itself out, and that goes along with a first time play caller and Michael Floor. But I think it's reasonable in this extended season now when you look at Zach Wilson and think, hey, he should sit right around, you know, maybe 3,700 yards. You'd really like to see the touchdown through the air, at least double of what the interceptions are, which is going to be the big question with him because uh, he took a lot of chances at BYU and it worked out for him a lot because of how talented of a thrower he is. But he even said it himself, you know, he's got to learn what he can and can't get away with. And I think, The good thing for Zach in this situation, this is going to be a very run-heavy team. I think the trajectory he's on is going to be very similar to what Browns fans have watched with Baker Mayfield the first couple years, where he's going to take his shots down the field. The yards per attempt should be relatively high. But they are going to do a lot of their damage on the ground game with all the investments they've done in the offensive line over the years. And that's going to not only help Wilson stay healthy and have things open up down the field off of play action, but more so just develop them the right way. And that's something they never got right with Sam Darnold and that I feel much more optimistic this time around with Zach Wilson.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think just – I know you mentioned it. I think the way they're kind of building the offense, the skill positions, especially at receiver, I think, are far superior. I mean – there were times last year where I, I'm sitting watching games and I'm thinking, I say, who was who that guy? Uh, so at least they have some guys who I think have some, some ability, especially it seems like big things are expected out of Elijah Moore, who's another draft pick this year. But in terms of the offensive philosophy, you think it's going to be more of, you know, they're going to have him play within the system rather than a guy with an electric arm as a rookie going out there and kind of gripping it and ripping it. You think it's going to be more playing it within a system?
2: Well, there's only so much the coaches can do, right? I think with Zach, and they did a good job of keeping him within the system and mostly in structure in the preseason because you don't want to take any unnecessary risk. But he's someone that when things break down, it's when things get fun. And that's what made him special. That's why you're drafted number two overall. You're not drafted number two overall to be a game-managing dink-and-dunk quarterback. And with Zach, he can play within the structure – You know, his first or second read, we'll see if he gets to the third read, but a lot of times when it gets to that point, it's going to be, hey, how do I reset the pocket or how do I I even get out of the pocket? I have the athleticism to pick up yards on the ground with my legs, but most of the time I'm going to keep my eyes downfield and look for vertical shots. And you can kind of see the construction of this roster be tailored around him before he even ever put on a Jets jersey or helmet when they went out and signed Corey Davis, a down-the-field kind of back-shoulder player, and then you draft Elijah Moore, who's your vertical target. So to have those guys that the offense is so clearly defined, at least the aerial attack of the offense is so clearly defined, through those two guys really matches Zach Wilson's skill set. I think early on you might see him be a little bit more reserved, and then I think by week six, seven, eight, you're going to see someone that's getting a lot more comfortable with the speed of the game and someone that will take more chances for big explosive plays.
1: We're talking with Connor Rogers, lead NFL draft analyst for Bleacher Report. Uh all right, let's move to the other side of the ball with the Jets. I said there were times last year with some of the receivers I was saying, "Oh, who the heck are these guys?" I get the feeling I might be saying that about the Jets secondary. Uh clearly the the biggest question mark coming into the year. How much of an issue do you think that will be especially tomorrow going up against Sam Darnold and all the weapons he has with the Panthers?
2: Right. Tomorrow you get really the perfect preview for the Jets defense because you get you know, Number one, the Panthers have three receivers and Christian McCaffrey that are just extremely dynamic. Everybody knows what Robbie Anderson and D.J. Moore can do, but they got a rookie in Terrace Marshall uh, that's a really, really good player coming off a great preseason and without some medical questions, would have went in the first round of last year's draft. And then, of course, Christian McCaffrey. So the weakness of the Jets' defense is that can they keep up in, with the cornerbacks against teams that are three deep at wide receiver? Can the linebackers contain an all-world pass-catching back like McCaffrey. On the flip side, you'll see the strength, and that's the defensive line because the Panthers' offensive line outside of Taylor Moten aren't, isn't really any good, and they're actually down a player now at guard because of the COVID list. So, Quinton Williams, Sheldon Rankins, Foley fado Okasi, John Franklin Myers, those guys should eat. Those guys should get upfield. They should get after the quarterback and make life a little easier on the cornerbacks. But if they don't, and and this week I think they will, but if they don't throughout the season, you know, guys like Bryce Hall, a rookie Brandon Echols, a younger slot guy like Javelin Gidry, I don't think they're bad players by any stretch of the means, but to ask them to start right away or play this kind of meaningful role right away, I also don't think they're necessarily ready for that. This is kind of trial by fire. This is kind of, hey, let's see what you got. We're not expected to make the playoffs this year. Let's learn who's going to be a starter of the future, and of course, you're going to take your lumps when you go with that strategy.
1: Yeah, and, and look, the Jets just had so many holes to fill. I think that that you know, secondary was kind of one of those ones on the list, but it just got to a point where you can only fill so many of them in one off season. All right, let's move to the Giants a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it's me, Connor, but it feels like in the media, especially there, there's a a definite divide in terms of the Giants, either your team, this team is going to improve this year, like maybe not a huge step forward, but at least maybe a winning season or your team. uh, It's going to be more of the same with the New York Giants, which if you had to pick one side, team improvement, team more of the same, which would you be, uh, which bandwagon would you be joining?
2: Even with how questionable this division is, and to be fair, I thought the Dallas offense really looked good this week, which shouldn't surprise a lot of people uh, when Dak is right and those receivers are right. I I think the Giants are more the same, and it's tough to say that because there's obviously been an an effort across the board to improve, but it it comes down to really one simple thing for me, Gordon. Until I see this offensive line protect Daniel Jones and develop a, a run game, for Saquon Barkley, who I think there's going to be some workload management early on, understandably. I totally get it. It's just the reality of the situation. I can't buy into this team. It's kind of you look at the schedule and look at the pass rush fronts that they face, and why am I supposed to believe that this is a unit that can block Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and on and on and on as you do that for every single team, or at least a majority of their games, where they're going to see fronts that have two good pass rushers. I just... It's it's a tough sell for me, and that's really tough in a year that everyone is saying it's make or break for Daniel Jones. Well, whether you love or hate Daniel Jones, what are you really going to learn about him when the pass protection is, let's be real, abysmal most of the time? So it's just hard for me to buy in because if you do have significant questions about the offensive line, which I think everyone else does, which obviously can limit the offense, well, then you're putting a lot of pressure on a defense that – was really good last year, but when you're constantly, constantly expecting the defense to be perfect to keep you in games, it's just a really tough situation all around. So do I think this is the type of year where at the end of the year everything's blown up? No, I think Joe Judge will be here. I'm curious how they're going to handle Jones if he's mediocre this year, but... Does Dave Gettleman's questionable drafting and roster construction start to really come into play? That's something that I think we'll be talking about in December and January with the Giants.
1: Yeah, I mean, for as much as we talk about, and it seems like on Sports Talk Radio, you're legally required. If you talk about the Giants, you have to talk about how this is a make or break year for Daniel Jones or how much time we've spent talking about Saquon Barkley. The one thing I can't get past is the offensive line, the amount of resources the Giants in these four years – have sunk into the offensive line, which is supposed to be kind of like Gettleman's thing, and for us to still be this uncertain going into the season, it's almost kind of like, how do you recover from that if you're Gettleman?
2: I don't know how you do, honestly, especially when, you know, let's be real, across town, you just witnessed an absolute disaster of that with Mike McCagnan and Sam Darnold. The offensive line was abysmal for the Jets, and and Darnold had his own problems, and But at the end of the day, you know, it wasn't ultimately all pinned on Darnold. It was pinned on McCagnin, and he got fired, and then Joe Douglas was brought in to fix really that exact issue was the offensive line. You could see a repeat of that over with the Giants. It really wouldn't shock me where you sit there and go, okay, we we might like Joe Judge. We we don't know what he necessarily is yet. We might like Daniel Jones. We're still trying to figure out what he is. But we know we do not like much of this roster that has Dave Gettleman's fingerprints on it quite frankly and the offensive line uh you know they obviously lost a good player like Zietler in the off season, and you know there have some shuffling going on with Kerr and Solder and of course Andrew Thomas really needs to figure it out at left tackle I just think when you look at it that was his biggest responsibility after drafting the quarterback and there's just no reason to be overly optimistic and you wonder if Jason Garrett can call a quick passing play offense that can you know, kind of limit how bad that unit looks. But at the end of the day, it always catches up to you in this league eventually.
1: Yeah, we're talking with Connor Rogers uh, from Bleacher Report uh, about the NFL, Jets, Giants. All right, uh, we're running out of time here. And of course, thanks for the time uh, on a Saturday. Uh, If you had one team, one team that you're higher on than everyone else or one team that you're not high on as everybody else is, if there's one outlier team for you this year, who is it?
2: Oh wow, that's a great question. You know, I, I kind of like Washington a lot with Ron Rivera. I, I know that when you look at the odds for every division, how they're stacked, the NFC East is one of the rare ones that you know Vegas essentially say, "Hey, it's wide open." You know, I don't—they don't really like the Eagles, but they look at the Giants, Cowboys, and Washington, and kind of sit there. And you know, and I know that Washington won the division last year, but let's be real—no one really won that division. <laughs> right. I actually think they i think they're a good team this year. I think they upgraded at quarterback. I love their defense. I think they have the best front four in football. I think they have the corners to match. And I think they're very athletic in the middle of the field and they're well-coached. And I think they'll be able to run the ball and and pass the ball down the field vertically. So I I would say I'm a little higher on Washington. It feels like everybody picking that division is comfortable rolling with Dallas, which I get. Some people are comfortable rolling with the Giants, which at times I can get. I really, really am impressed with Washington. Obviously, I think someone like... The Browns are going to be really good. Everyone expects that. But I actually think they're going to be even better than people realize. I think they're going to give the Chiefs uh, some problems on Sunday or at least show how for real that they are. So when you look at it like that, those are two teams that I'm pretty optimistic about across the board.
1: Hey, Connor, thanks for a few minutes and uh, enjoy your Saturday. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM. Of course, the number you know, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. And look, we've already gotten a lot done in this first hour, touching on the Yankees getting into the football. But uh, I did want to make a note that obviously the date today, is not lost on on me, on anyone here at 98.7 FM, September 11th, uh, a date that uh, we'll all remember. I mean, it's been 20 years now, which is crazy that uh, there are kids that were born on that date and around that time that are now, you know, basically young adults. And, uh, you know, it's a date that for those of us who live through that and remember it, we remember it. As if it were yesterday, even though it is 20 years ago, every every brother, every sister, every friend that was impacted by that awful day. And um, look, we'll have some fun on the show today. Hopefully we'll, we have some laughs talking about sports. But I did want to just make a quick note uh, to make clear that uh, the date is not lost on us here. Uh, 98.7 FM ESPN New York and to everybody that was impacted especially in this area our thoughts are, are with you on on every day but especially uh, on a day like this 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number all right let's get to some football stuff I guess let's go with the Giants because we wrapped up with Connor talking about the Giants I when the off season began around the draft You know me, I I do like to, uh, you know, play a little wager here or there, put a little money on things here or there. And we'll do a segment on things that I've actually, like every show does a segment of picks. Uh, My picks are picks that I am actually placing money on. All right? So this is not just, hey, I saw these games. It doesn't really matter if I get them wrong. If I get them wrong, I'm going to be ticked off. So uh, we'll do that a little bit later on. But when the the, the offseason kind of began with the Giants, after the way that the season ended last year for the Giants, you know, I was a little bit more optimistic than I think than some. I think I was on team improvement more so than team most uh, or, or more of the same. And, and then the Giants go out and have the offseason that they did, adding, you know, significant pieces. A team. This is not a team that, like, went in and said, well, we'll make some improvements before we can. No, they are looking to make a major jump this year. And I, I kind of bought into that because I don't think the division is great. Uh, the Cowboys, even as great as their offense was in the in the season opener, you could uh, you could go broke thinking that the the Cowboys are ever going to live up to expectations. I mean, you you could write a book about all the times the Cowboys did not live up to expectations. So, I, it's hard for me to believe in them. I do like a lot of aspects of Washington, and if they had gone out and signed uh, I think a, 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 a superior quarterback or made a move for a quarterback that I could have more faith in uh, maybe I could get on that bandwagon but for a guy in like Ryan Fitzpatrick who had a good year two years ago with the Dolphins had a good year last year and you know and backing up and then getting some chances to start I just find it hard to believe that this is the year now he's going to take a team to the playoffs when he's never done that before so I was looking at this Giants year, saying, you know, kind of why not them, right? Like if they can just make some some um, in terms of production, just kind of getting to the mean uh, of just being like league average in certain aspects, offensive line being one of them. Well, this is a team that could surprise. Getting Saquon Barkley back, we we've mentioned the numbers all the time about Daniel Jones with Saquon Barkley. Uh, Daniel Jones without Saquon Barkley. With him, his quarterback rating is in the 90s. Without him, it's in the 70s. So that's a major addition. And then all the other moves that they made, Adoree Jackson and, and, and Kenny Galladay, and, and um, they're a team that seems like they are, uh, are on the rise. But, you know, the more that I think about it, and, and look, it's, it's partly based on the preseason. I'm not going to lie to you. It feels like there are so many things that need to go right for the Giants for things to go right for them in terms of wins and losses. And it all starts with that offensive line. That offensive line, I have major questions about watching it in that I know it's only a preseason game, and maybe that shouldn't impact me as much as it does, but it was a problem last year. Now, it got better as the year went along, but I think part of that was is because it was just so horrendously bad. And this year, you don't have the luxury of kind of finding it as you go. I think the Giants kind of have to hit the ground running this season. I don't think the division is going to be nearly as bad as it was last year. So if you want to be in that conversation, you can't get off to nearly as bad a start as you got off to last year. But the offensive line is a major question. Daniel Jones, while I'm more optimistic than some, you'd, have, you'd be lying if you said he's not a major question. It's not just about taking a step forward. It's about continuing to cut down on the turnovers. Barkley being back. That's awesome. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a Barkley fan, even though I know it was a mistake to take him with the second pick. His impact on that offense is, is not debatable, but he's also coming off an injury. Can he stay healthy? Can he not only be healthy, but can he stay healthy? And then they paid some guys uh, like Galladay coming to a new team, coming off a career year, and they paid him on that career year. Can he kind of match that going forward? Leonard Williams, can he repeat the performance of of a year ago? Adoree Jackson, the health questions are there. So there's a lot, like you could say, well, every team has questions, yes. But it feels like if the Giants are going to take this step forward, they got to answer not just kind of like half of them in yes, they got to answer most of them in yes. So while I was optimistic coming into the offseason, as the offseason went along, I got to be honest, my optimism is waning uh, a little bit and to think you you uh, you know i mentioned this to connor about the divide the fact that the and not the vegas is the all be all end all but the jets over under is 6 the giants is only 7 the fact that the giants are getting points against the broncos at home that's uh that's scary to me that i, I feel like that should be concerning especially for someone like any time that i'm really confident i'm like okay how can this go wrong well there's plenty of people out there that's telling me how it could go wrong. And it just simply has to be more of the same. So I was on team improvement. I, still, I guess I still am because I'm invested in it. But um, I, I'm starting to have some, some questions about whether or not that improvement is going to be as sizable as it needs to be. And I, I think for the Giants to get through this season and to say, you know what, we're pointed in the right direction, I don't know if 9-8 if and eight is enough. Like nine and eight is a winning year, and that's, a, that's obviously a, a big improvement over where they've been. But considering the amount of money they have spent, the amount of moves that they have made, to only get to nine and eight, even playing in a division that I don't think is all that great, it's going to be better, but it's not all that great, I I don't know if that's, um, know if that's a sizable enough improvement even coming from where the Giants have been, which has been as bad as you can be here the last three years. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go back to the phones. We'll go out to uh, John is in Springfield. John, you're next up on ESPN New York.
0: How you doing, Gordon? I hey, think um, everybody is overreacting a little bit with this, and I think your initial, you know, they haven't had a game yet, and, We have not seen this offensive line play together for any significant amount of time in the preseason. The only time that they've played together is in the closed practices against other squads. So how are we – nobody knows. Let's play a game first before anybody starts –
1: Plus well, but, I mean, John, John. I, I mean, you're right, but, like, <laughs> what fun is that? Like, you want me to do four hours on the radio and say, well, we don't know what's going to happen in the NFL. Uh, we'll just wait and see what happens. And then at the end well, of the season, no, we'll recap. We
0: that's, that's, that, that's your job, but I, right. like, let's not be sensational. Let's not be no, I, but, but I don't think – But, no John, do you knows. think
1: it's it's being sensational when – the offensive line was not a strength last year. Now, it did get better as the year went along, but then you watch, even in the short period of time it was in the preseason, it was about as bad. As, Andrew Thomas was about as bad as he could look.
0: He, he was much better in the end, as you said. And of last year. added a piece yes. back with, with, yeah, with Soldier, so that should help. And let's let him play. You know, the big part of the offensive line is more chemistry and teamwork and reading each other, you know, what each other are going to do and playing off of each other. We also added a fantastic tight end, which is going to help a lot too. I just think, you know, and I understand it's your guy's job to do this, but everybody I think is doing it a little bit too much, and we need to, we need to let them play a couple games. Now, I, I, as you said, every team has questions. And you're right. If the Giants offensive line doesn't step up and be a lot better than they were um, or continue on the path to getting better as they did in the last half, uh, then we're in trouble. But they might be better. I just want to throw that out
1: there. Yeah, look, John, that is – and thanks for the phone call. That is a a possibility. But there's – uh, you know, you kind of take the temperature as you go along. There's there can't be anyone who watched them in the preseason. And I get it. It was the, a small sample size. There can't be anybody who watched them in the preseason and like, you know, got done watching that and was like, OK, we're ready for week one. I mean, that was that was ugly. Uh, and I get what you're saying. We don't know the best indicator was the line. The best indicator of future events is past events, and the Giants' offensive line has been bad for a while. And the amount of, cha- I mean, I don't know. I-, I brought this up to Connor a little bit. With all the time that we focus on Daniel Jones and the Barkley pick, when it comes to Gettleman, I don't know how he can explain away if this offensive line is not significantly better. Like, if the if the offensive line is not good, just good. Not great, not dominating, not... I mean, they've dra- in the time he's been here, they've drafted guys, they've traded for guys, they've signed guys, they've moved... I mean, the amount of guys they've had in and out of that offensive line, and to think that coming into this year, there, there's no way you can look at it right now as a strength. Maybe in time it will be that, but coming into the year... I think the number one question you have before health, before changes, before quarterback, is the offensive line, and that was that was the thing that he mentioned, Dave Gettleman, on day one when he took over. So that I, I think that that has to be a a major major concern, and, and it is for me. And again, I, I'm, I did at one point this offseason think, you know what, Giants, they could win this division. Why can't they win this division? You got your quarterback here, Barkley's back, you got all these weapons, the defense was better, you spent all this money, there's no reason why the Giants aren't competing for the division, which is not a great division, right? We don't believe in the Cowboys, Washington's got Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, the Eagles are expected to have a down year, there's no reason why the Giants shouldn't be able to compete, but I gotta be honest, as as we've gotten closer to week one, that confidence is waning, my friends. It is waning. Sam in Rockland. Sam, you're next up on ESPN New York. Hey, Gordon, going
3: along with what you're saying, I want to know what the effect of the MetLife crowd will have an effect on maybe both teams, maybe even the Giants. If you've seen the, the crowds in the past, sometimes they grow complacent pretty fast. So i was just wondering if the Giants have, like, turnovers in the early season, like the first four games, even a lot of sacks. Daniel Jones turnovers, how, how that could affect the next like 12, 16 games since a long season now. Um, I'm just wondering how the Giants and Jets fans since the fans are back in the stadiums, How that, how much that will affect uh, both teams going forward?
1: Thanks. Well, uh, look, Sam. uh, You know, I don't know that it'll have an an immediate. You know, I think that most fans that are going to the game week one, you're you're looking to be excited, right? Your 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 enthusiasm for the season is right there, and I can understand the guy like John saying, you know, we haven't seen it yet. We got to give it some time. If the Giants go out and, and go three and out on their first two or three drives, <laughs> the boos are going to be there. I mean, like, Giant fans, I think overall are are optimistic and and are are wanting to believe in their organization, but they're also kind of like it's kind of there like they're on their last nerve, right? Like, if it doesn't go well early on, um, I think that you're going to hear uh, a lot more. Yeah, we'll we'll give you a little minute, but we're not going to give you ten minutes. Like, you had to go out there and 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 um and perform uh, and and it can't be the type of thing like last year where you started out the season like you did I mean the the nice thing about this Giants season is there's not really like a a, a stretch of the season where you're like oh my gosh that that's a brutal stretch right there but there's no stretch where you'd say well we got a bunch of easy games so they they got to they got to go out and at least early on, kind of hold their own in terms of wins and losses. They can't, they can't fall behind and, and start the season zero and two like they did, and, and one and seven like they did last year. They, they got to get some wins here, and um, otherwise, I think the fans are, are going to turn on them pretty quick. And, and look, they've been patient. They've been more than patient. This has been a, a, a for for an organization that has seen the heights right uh, of Super Bowl titles and playoff runs. This, is, this has been about as bad a stretch as the Giant fan has seen in a very long time, these last three years. Uh, what is it, 15 and 33? No, there's, there's got to be, if they go out there on Sunday uh, and, and they perform, well, look, the fans, are that's what they're there for, right? They're, they're excited to have football back. They're excited to watch football. But if it goes sideways early on, boy, look out. <laughs> look out below. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yes, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Course number, you know, 1-800-919-ESPN is uh, that. You can follow me on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. Three hours down, one more to go with as we lead you up till 7 o'clock. Yankees, Mets, Subway Series, Game 2, and... Um, I think it's safe to say, Michael Kay and Buster only on the call, I think it's safe to say Yankees better get a win today. Be- like, if the, if the options for tomorrow include Andrew Haney as the starter or some combination of another pitcher and Andrew Haney. Like, if, if Andrew Haney is in the mix anywhere along the line, it doesn't kind of matter what the first guy does because you know what he's going to do. He's going to give up runs. He's going to give up home runs. And uh, to think, 20 games into a season, or excuse me, 20 games left in a season, with a with a payroll of two hundred million dollars, seasons on the line, and this is the this is the the options. Either Clark Schmidt, who you know, I mean, he's a, he's a highly thought of prospect who got injured earlier this year, so that's you know, if he's part of it, that would be great. But if you're going to go to Andrew, Hain, if if he's going to be part of the combo, it doesn't kind of matter really what you know what the first part of the combo is if that. the first part of the combo could be uh, salami and provolone and all these delicious things if the second part of the combo is you know what really kind of doesn't matter what the first part of the combo is i think that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying let's go back to the phone shall we 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number and of course the ever-popular poop rankings polar opposite of power rankings coming up in the nfl final one for the preseason with week one tomorrow but let's go out to the phones we'll go to sam and san antonio sam you're next up on uh, espn new york
3: hey gordon how you doing tonight man I'm i good, hope sam. You how are you now, everything as well with you and your family i'm
1: doing all right just honestly man just
3: burning still here in uh, texas here yeah, it's uh, it's uh, mid-september and it's still 100 degrees man uh but uh, first before i get into my next conversation with you i'd just like to say as a you know f- former northeastern born and raised in jersey city i lived through 9-11 all my prayers go out to anybody that i was affected in any type of a negative way um you know it's, i guess this is an emotional day for all of us even though i'm still removed you're still there so i can imagine how you're feeling so i hope it didn't affect you in any single which way and to those who did my prayers and heart goes out to you guys now uh That being said, Gordon, uh, we've spoken plenty of times with you and Larry. Uh, You know I'm a diehard Mets fan. I think I'm a genuinely good person, but the Mets are that dark side, morbid dark humor for me. So if you could give me a few moments. I'd like to address a couple of things that you brought up in your monologue just about the Mets. Um, sure. Any fan that says that they don't want to see them in the playoffs—they're—they're they're just being absolutely ridiculous. I understand they don't deserve to be in it, but if they make it somehow through some great, of course, some great. You always, if you, got a, if you get a chance uh, to have a shot, yeah. take a shot. Yeah, of course, take the shot. For even if they fall flat on their face, there are going to be a couple of players from this roster that are going to come back. So just the experience alone in itself is priceless. That being said, it ain't going to happen nonetheless, but if it did, that's my point on there. Now, um, if I could just go from the point of view of uh, Cohen and management, um, I had this conversation with a lot of my buddies, we're all diehard fans of some team nonetheless, we're in our 40s now. Um, my immediate reaction was to go in right after Zach, the whole Zach Scott issue, to go into the office and just tell them all to clean out their best at that point. What, uh, but that was my immediate reaction, and I know I'm wrong. What I hope Cohen is doing right now is gathering his crew. The moment that last pitch of game 162 is done, there's a meeting. Have a nice day, everybody, Sandy included. Now, who would I bring in? Uh, it, everybody knows that Theo Epstein wants his uh, wants ownership, and I'm Steve Cohen. This is the way I'm looking at it. I'm a billionaire investor that bought the, the the shiniest toy that I ever wanted when I was a kid, and now I got that. I'm also a fan. I want to see my team win. I don't care uh, if I'm Cohen. I go right to Theo. This is a guy that slayed the dragon in Boston, in Chicago. New York is the biggest market out of all those three, and it's the next one. He slayed it there. I don't even want Theo to even try to counter negotiate with me. I'm going right to him and saying, uh, I heard you wanted X amount of percentage of the team. I'm going to give you double that. You have full autonomy. I don't care what you want. I'm just going to be a fan and sit back and watch. I think it's deal time. And if that's the case, I want to see Buck come in. I think that's the only – the way this team played this year. Uh, the talent was there, but there, it seemed to me like it was a bunch of kids just running around, running a buck in the house. Like no, they didn't have any type of a team chemistry. It seemed, even though that idiotic stuff that they did with the whole uh, hitting yeah, coach, the, down. Uh, the, oh, the it false comes, right? hurrah yeah. bias right. coming in. And give me ten more seconds, if I may here. This management didn't want to give up their top prospect, which is a shortstop. I'm sorry, you got Lindor signed for the next 10 years. You do not want to give up that prospect for, I always mispronounce his name, the pitcher from Minnesota, Barrios. You do not want to yeah. trade him for that prospect for him, but you traded a prospect for a rental?
1: Can someone yeah. explain that to me? No, well, and look. A rental,
3: Sam, that, 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 uh, thank you for the time. Thank you, yeah. Gordon. Uh, you have a wonderful, safe night, man. Great show always.
1: All right, Sam. Thanks for the call. Look, you we well, got a lot of things there to run through, and we only have an hour to do so. And, look, I'd be more than willing to let you do the, <laughs> the final hour here. Um, but, um, look, the Theo thing, let's start there. I can understand why the Mets would have interest. Steve Cohen has interest in Theo. Uh, The problem with that is a lot of the the guys that they brought in were Theo guys and guys that they had issues with, right? Porter and uh, Zach Scott. I mean, those were Chicago guys. And I think that there's going to be part of it. Yes, you want to get the the baseball operations fixed. But I also think you want – there's been enough of these embarrassing kind of things happen that that has to factor into what your next decision is as well, right? Like So I can understand the Mets do have interest in Theo if that's what he wants to end up doing. But I would almost think it's it's about Theo, uh, the Mets selling Theo on the Mets as it is Theo selling. I don't think that Theo has to sell himself to really anybody, certainly not the Mets. But I do think the Mets kind of have to sell themselves to Theo. If he's going to get back in, you would think it's going to be, you know, in the next year or two. Uh, if he does have that desire, and if it's not a perfect situation, maybe he's just content to do what he's doing. But if he does get back in, I don't know necessarily that the Mets are that perfect opportunity, right? Like working for an owner who likes to go out there and, and, and share his thoughts on tw- Is that something that he wants to get involved in? Especially if, and I, look, this is more of, uh, of me just thinking out loud. If you're looking at Theo Epstein, he's been in Boston, he's been in Chicago is the Mets the you know is that the third team that he he's going to especially when there has to be at least a possi- you know if the Yankees go out there again next year and stink up the joint again I don't think there's going to be any changes this year but if they go out there and stink up the joint again next year well then you almost ha- you almost forced to make a change at that point I think a lot of people are going to be shouting and screaming if they miss the playoffs this year for a change I don't expect that to happen, but if you if you miss the playoffs or you're a bad team again next year, and I don't know how much change you really can expect from one year to the next, given that it, there's at least the possibility that the the payroll is going to kind of remain the same. So if I'm Theo Epstein and there's no time, it's not like I oh I got to get a job, I got to get back in right now. I got maybe he just kind of waits for a, a better opportunity, a more high profile opportunity then the Mets and the Yankees certainly would be that. So uh, there's a lot of stuff there. The Mets are going to have to go through a lot of stuff, but I do think that that's the right focus in terms of uh, you have to settle the, the the front office stuff first. And I would kind of be shocked that after the way this season has gone, I don't think the Mets were that good of a team. I think that that's the evidence that you have from this year, is that the two things that they had going for them was bad division, so they kind of prospered there a little bit, and they had a pitcher Perform at a ridiculously high level and at a ridiculously high level for a guy who's already a two-time Cy Young. So uh, I don't think that you can count on those two things, uh, you know, remaining the same in the future. Especially not uh, the division part. I think next year you'd almost have to expect that the division's going to be better overall. All right, it's time, people. We put it off long enough. It is time for poop rankings. If you're wondering, what is this poop rankings? What what are you doing? Well, look, everybody does power rankings. We do, on this show, the polar opposite of power rankings. So we don't care who's the best. We'll find out who's the best. We're more invested in who's the worst. Who is the worst team in the NFL? We'll find that out over the course of the season. But we'll begin in true Casey Kasem-like fashion at number five. We don't start at number one. That would be a mistake. You have to start at number five. You have to do the countdown. Number five, and I thought about this long and hard, the optimism of the season. I don't want to be a downer. But at number five, I have the New York Jets. You said what? Yes, I said, Chris Canty, the New York Jets. Now, keep in mind, it might seem negative, but last year, at the end of the year, if you remember, the Jets took up all five spots. This year, they're only number five. That's the only spot that they will take up. And I would think Sunday... I'm not saying it's it's a winnable game. I'm not expecting them to go out there and win. And um, and really, if you think about it, if you deal with Jet fans in your life, if they win the game, that might be the single worst thing that could happen to the fan base. Can you imagine where the hype train will be? If, if Zach Wilson goes out tomorrow, throws three touchdown passes, and the Jets win against their former. Oh, my God. The, the hype train will not only be running down your street, it will be running through your living room. Forget, can you imagine? I don't know if Greeny will be able to do the show. They might need somebody. I'd like to put my name on the list, but I, 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 they might need somebody to do Greeny's show for him. If Zach Wilson goes out there and lights the world on fire and, and, and Sam Darnold goes and lights his team on fire, as he's been known to do from time to time. Oh, my goodness, that might be the worst. I would just think maybe just a, a good, reasonable, the hype train is going to be there no matter what, basically, as long as he's not terrible, Zach Wilson. But if they go out and win the game, oh, my Lord, it'll be it'll be tough. It'll be back page. It'll be front page. There'll be a special section of the newspaper devoted uh, devoted to, uh, to, to Zach Wilson's successful debut. So I have it. Number five on the poop list is the New York Jets.
0: That's a poo-poo take.
1: Uh, number four, Michael, on the, uh, the poop list, polar opposite of power rankings. I have the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: You're high right now, right? You have to be.
1: I wish I was. It is Saturday, but uh, no, Don, I am not. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals. Did you see this story from during the week? There is a giraffe at a zoo. I think it's in Louisiana that was named after Joe Burrow. I should say that there was a giraffe. Apparently the giraffe, I don't know what happened, but the giraffe died. That feels like a negative omen, right? Like that's not a good omen. Yeah, it's not a good omen for the Cincinnati Bengals season that your star quarterback, your friend, one year removed from being the number one pick in the draft and the giraffe just all of a sudden is no longer with us. Uh, Also an omen for the Bengals, Jamar Chase. Oh, what a story Jamar Chase has been. Five passes thrown to him in the preseason. He dropped four of them. That's not a good ratio. You don't need to be into the you don't need to be into the analytics of the game to know four passes dropped in five. That's bad. That's 80%. I figured that out all on my own. What the high school math is still paying dividends. So he was asked about the drop passes, and originally the stories were that he said it was hard to catch the ball because it doesn't have the white stripes like the college ball. He found that difficult. So those stories came out, and Jamar Chase said, whoa, 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 whoa. I never said it's harder to catch the ball. I said it's harder to see the ball, which I think in his mind he thought, well, that that's a big di-. no. I think that's also bad. Like you got to be, I don't know, but I would think you have to kind of see it. You're not going to sense the ball, right? You you kind of have to see the ball. So I don't know. That feels like that's a bad omen too. So number four on the poop list is the Cincinnati Bengals. You are trash. Number actually they are trash. Uh, that's not it's not on me. I don't run the Bengals. Number three, you got the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're an idiot, your sister smells, and she's ugly. Wow, that, that is, that's just a personal attack. The Jaguars, what they have here, isn't it kind of amazing that the Jaguars, I think it was a year ago, maybe a little bit more than that, their team brass, the big spots, you would say, would be Doug Marone, the coach, Dave Caldwell, was it, was the GM. And they had Tom Coughlin in some sort of advisory role. And the first person that they fired out of those three was Tom Coughlin. That's, that, that seems strange. The one guy who's had su- like high-level success. Strange. Uh, look, the Jaguars, I think it's kind of been run through before. Just kind of a mess of an offseason. You know, from the strength and conditioning coach that they hired, right? And the Tebow thing. Urban Meyer during the preseason and again it's only preseason who knows maybe it'll it'll you know he's keeping it uh, close to the vest during the preseason he's running only vanilla things in the off uh, in the in the preseason and when the regular season starts while well, the real Jaguars will show up I don't know that I necessarily buy that because part of the vanilla offense was getting their franchise quarterback chased like he was uh, you know like he was on fire I mean it was not a great look for for Trevor Lawrence so Urban Meyer at times had that look that Nick Saban had when he was with the Dolphins, and even worse than that was, there were times Trevor Lawrence kind of had that look uh, on the sideline. So that is that's not the look that you're looking for, and especially when it's a guy in Urban Meyer, when the when the going gets tough, he gets going, right? Like he he does not <laughs> he's not he's not sticking around. He, he's had a lot of you know some short stops here along the way, and when things go south, he's 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 out of there. So. It's going to be a very long – he will lose more games this year than I would think that he's lost in any probably two years in his – I would have to go through and see what his his college record is, but I would think that he is ne- he's never going to – he's never lost more games than he's going to lose this game uh, this year. Let's put it that way. So uh, at number – is that number three? Number three is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Do we have anything else? Ja- yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, number two, number two on the uh, poop list would be, you know it, you you guessed it, it's the Detroit Lions. Did you smell it? Yeah, it's the Lions. The Lions, I, I say this all the time, the Lions have never been good. I have lived mo- almost certainly more than half my life, right? Uh, they've never been good. They ruin Thanksgiving every single year. They're terrible. And they still have, I mean... Look, we all at some point you probably in your in your sports fandom, you probably root for a bad organization somewhere along the line, right? You're a Jet fan, you're a Met fan, I'm a Dolphin fan, you know. Like if you're rooting for the major four sports or the big three sports, chances are, they're not unless you're just a complete front runner and a terrible human being, you're probably going to root for one that's just miserable. The Lions though, usually if you root for a bad team, there's a there's a point where they're good, right? Like, oh, they were good when I was a kid. Like, the Dolphins, when I was a kid, they were going to Super Bowls. They haven't been back since, and I have not been a kid in a very long time. But still, at least I have that. The Lions have never been good. They've never been good. And I would ask you, like, maybe you're all fantasy football players, so maybe you might be able to do this. Name a Lions wide receiver. Can you name a Lions wide receiver? I don't this think is going I can. nowhere. Yeah, I, can't, I don't think I can I can name one off the top of my head. Matthew Stafford is almost certainly the best quarterback they've ever had, and they finished in last, the last three years, and they're replacing him with Jared Goff, who no one has ever said is the best quarterback that they've had. In their... It's going to be a long year for the Detroit Lions. But that is, they are number two on the poop list, the Detroit Lions. Don't make me like what you like. And then number one, clearly by far the worst team in the NFL, and it will be an upset. I will say this right now. The NFL, usually, the team that everybody says coming into the year is going to be the worst team generally isn't the worst team. A couple of years ago, everybody said, oh, the Dolphins are tanking. The Dolphins, they won five games. They weren't tanking. They probably should have been, but they weren't. Last year going into the year, I think the Jaguars were the team that everybody said, and they—they they, turned out they were. But for a long period of time, it was the Jets. At least the, At least the Jaguars got the franchise quarterback for sure. The Jets are hoping they got that guy. But number one, it will be a stunner if at any point this year throughout the entire regular season that the number one team is not the number one team, and clearly that number one team is the Houston Texans. Uh, yeah, the Houston Te- I mean, they are just so bad. They won four games last year with Deshaun Watson, and their I think their over-under number this year is four without Deshaun Watson and with an extra game. They have the second oldest roster in the NFL. They had only five draft picks. And they hired the oldest first-time head coach ever. And he's never been a coordinator or or a player. I mean, this is like the major league of football teams. It's almost like they called up the guy at Tire World, Lou Brown. Tire World. How would you like to manage the Indians this year? I don't know. But David Culley did not say, I don't know. He said he is going to coach the um, the Houston Texans. And um, it, it, look, it's going to be a very bad season for the Houston Texans. It's going to be kind of, you know, to watch it happen, it's it, it's going to be kind of must-see. Te- I mean, there's going to be plays this year for the, the Texans. that They're just going to get dropped. And it almost feels like, at this point, they're kind of leaning into it, like they know that they're going to be terrible. They were talking to David Culley, uh during training camp. And at one point he pointed out that he liked watching the defensive players hit the tackling sled because he spent most of his time as an offensive coach and he's never seen that before. Does that seem like somebody who – he might be a very nice person, but he could be – Mother Teresa could be running the the Houston Tech. They're going to be terrible. They're going to be absolutely terrible. So there you go. The poop list for the final time before the regular season kicks off tomorrow – It's the Jets at five. It's the Bengals at four. It's the Jaguars at three. It's the Lions at two. And number one, by a long shot, a wide margin, it is the Houston Texans. They flush it. Then they're going to flush the season.